Proverbs, the ninth chapter, verse 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now just asking you to bless your word, taking, Lord, just uh, remove me from this message and allow your words to transcend into people's hearts. I ask that you take and uh, bring this message to the forefront of my mind and help me, Lord, to portray what it is that you've laid on my heart. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Um, to fear the Lord, to respect the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, the title today is Being Prepared. And I know that's a simple title, but um, I worked in a field where being prepared meant saving lives. Um, and I know that's a while ago that I worked in the fire department. If you think fire, I didn't work in fire, even though I just told you that I worked in the fire department. I worked in hazardous materials. Um, so I hardly ever dealt with fire. I mean, I did in the academy, um, but most of mine dealing was either train accidents, truck rollovers, bad accidents. And you have to be prepared. You have to take and be ready for anything that's going to get thrown at you. Uh, think about that as a Christian. How are you prepared daily for service for the Lord? Think about that. I mean, is, is your preparation um, something that you have to have in order for you to be a follower of Christ? You have to be prepared? Ask yourself this question. Peter, the same Peter that Jesus called, was it the same Peter that was sitting by the fire with the enemies looking across at him? Was that the same Peter? Look at how he grew. And then look at when he saw him die on the cross, how much more he, how much more he approved, you know, matured there. Um, you see a transformation in someone's life of how they grew into what it is that would be a follower of Christ. Before that, Peter was very familiar with taking and speaking first and actions second. He, he liked to take and just jump right in there and I can do it, Right? You ever met one of somebody like that that it's like they, they're not prepared, but they want you to think they're prepared, so they jump in feet first, and then you realize this person doesn't have any skills at all? Yes? Book knowledge? Uh, I'll take real-world knowledge any day over book knowledge. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not sliding education, okay? I've had it my whole life, education. Uh, in the fire department in Hazmat, you had to take two college courses every year. Span that over 23 years, plus education before that, I, I've basically gone to university level education for a lot of my life, about 30 years of my life. It doesn't prepare you for anything when it comes to the, the actual feet on the, on the floor doing the, the real thing. It's good as far as book knowledge. Do we have book knowledge here? What's interesting is the books that we read at school, whether you're in elementary or junior high school or high school or college, those books that you read, it's knowledge. But those books are dead. This, this is living. This is living. If you're a follower of Christ, that should mean something to you. This doesn't change. But the word of God is ever evolving in your heart. It's ever growing. I mean, what God wants from me when I was six and a half years old versus what he wants from me today, it's totally different. I want a closer relationship with you, Craig. I, I, I want to take and grow in you. And the way I grow in you is you become less and I become more in your life. How do we prepare for that? How do you prepare for that kind of walk with the Lord. Anybody? How do you do that? Prayer, okay? Prayer leads me to trust. I gotta trust God to be able to pray to him. If I don't trust him, then I guarantee you I'm not praying to him. By the way, there's a lot of people occupying pews that don't trust God. Being honest here, right? Because if you trusted God, you would what? praying to him, you'd be reading his word, you'd be doing what it is 
that he tells you to do. Matter of fact, you'd look at people and you'd see the love that he has for all mankind. We're prejudiced. I'm serious. We're prejudiced. If I told you to have the same love that you have for your kids as Jesus did for Hitler, you would do what? <gasps> Think of the love that he had for Hitler. Guys, I'm not talking about his actions. I'm talking about for him as a man. Yes? Paul, somebody who killed Christians. Somebody who hated church members. Did Jesus have love for him? Anybody? Yes. I'm telling you right now, if somebody came in this church that I knew had killed church members, I would have a serious problem with that. Yes? I mean, we have a problem with gang members coming in. They need transforming. But think if you knew of somebody who had actually killed one of these church members here, and they came in here to worship with you. Would you be prepared for that? By the way, that does take preparation as far as your heart. Yes? Making sure I'm looking at my precipice here, making sure I don't go off of it. <laughs> I say that to you because, and I was talking to a brother before services, and it was interesting because we had very similar conversation of something. Uh, when I was in La Habra, I had a church member who was in the Mexican Mafia. Now, when he became a church member, he wasn't in the Mexican Mafia. But when I went door to door and witnessed to him and his wife, he was in the Mexican Mafia. And he made a statement to me that God could not save him. And it's interesting because if I believed that, if I hadn't prepared my heart for thinking of people like Legion in the Bible, who you should be fearful of, right? Everybody know who Legion is? Yes? I mean, they feared this guy. Naked, in a cemetery, eating the things that were in that cemetery. That'd be something fearful, right? When I'm standing be before him, I'm thinking of that same thing. Seeing it, you know, <laughs> I, I wasn't just fire. I was sheriff. I was, I was a uh, sheriff every time that I did a forcible entry warrant. And so I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, man, <laughs> in my days in the sheriff's office and the fire department, you're my enemy. I'm looking at him, he's my enemy. But I had prepared my heart of thinking, okay, what's, what's the worst, what's the worst possible humanitarian person you could think of that somehow God just wouldn't accept that person? Anybody? Oh, there's some pretty horrendous people out there, yes? But God loves everyone. Before you get up on your high and high, high mighty um, <laughs> platform and say, well, you know, I'm glad I'm not like them, understand you're a sinner just like that person is. There's nothing that separates you from being like them except for Jesus Christ. How do we prepare ourselves in our walk for the Lord? Do we pray for people ahead of time? Do you pray for people you haven't even met and you're going, man, that's, that's a little psychotic, right? Is it? Is it to pray for times that God is going to bring someone into your life that you haven't even met yet? I didn't even know Marie two years ago. I mean, I'd met her when we went to the pastor's dinner and she would take my picture as a pastor. I knew her there, but I'll be honest with you, I hate having my picture taken, so I know that I probably didn't spend a whole lot of time with her. It was like, take the picture, let me go. Right? Today, she's my wife. It's funny because I was praying about God not leaving me alone. I spent 10 years alone. I know what it's like to be alone. And I prayed that God would somehow change that to where, I don't know how, but change that to where I wouldn't be alone anymore. And he did. Yes? Guys, 
There's things in our life that we don't prepare for, that we don't have a clue what God has for our life. But I guarantee you, you pray about it, and God's going to move mountains. He's going to move mountains to make it to where you are prepared. How do you prepare your heart? Proverbs, third chapter, verses 5 through 7, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I want to tell you something. <laughs> we lean unto our own understanding. We think we can fix things. We think we know better than God. A lot of times. And it's not until you sit there and go through all the motions of trying to figure something out that you finally give it over to God. But here's the thing. You don't just give it over to God. What do you do? You pick it back up and you carry it with you a little bit more. Yes? Now, I'm speaking from experience. You try and put things back together. You spend eight years of just whining, you know, like on a treadmill, of trying to fix something that you can't fix. Right? Until you finally do what? What does it say there? What's the first thing? Trust. Whew. Now, I'm not talking about, oh, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I do. No. I'm talking about, do you believe in Jesus with all of your life to put it in his hands, to put your kids in his hands, to where you trust in God in such a way that you're like our young adult teacher was talking about with David. David trusted God. He was standing in awe and wondering, why are you sitting here not attacking we stand with God. Why are you fearful? Look at the nine foot six dude. That's how big Goliath was. Nine feet, six inches. Anybody? That's three feet, six inches over my head. That's, that would command, just when somebody's six inches bigger than me, it makes me think, yeah, I could pop his kneecap out, but after that, if he got a hold of me, I'm probably going to be hurting. Right? Nine six. What makes us somehow think that God can't handle things? At six and a half years old when I was saved, I believed in God. Wholeheartedly believed that Jesus Christ saved my soul. But I didn't know him and trust him. Not the way I do today. There's things that I've gone through in my life today that I guarantee you I will hand it over to God faster than I would have 15 years ago. Yes? When we have experiences in life, it, it leans us to trust in God more. Why? Because sometimes God's faithful? No. God is always faithful. God is always giving us his best. Is there preparation in trusting God? I can't think that it's different than the fire department. I don't ever think of myself now, and, and I, it just sort of hit me right now. This wasn't part of the sermon. But <laughs> I never think of myself as being the grunt coming into the fire department. And I say that to you because for so long I trained other people. So all I think of myself is somebody who did the training part. I never think of myself as what those first few years were like. Somebody had to train me. Somebody had to help me get to the point where I trusted in their knowledge. Right? What happens when we trust in each other's knowledge? Is there, Brother Brian, right? Is there faults with me trusting in you? Why? He's a sinner. That means he's built with faults. Is there a problem with me trusting in God? Then why don't we trust in him? I'm not, I'm not asking to be sarcastic. I'm asking because a lot of times 
We just don't trust in God. We trust Him. But we don't trust Him. Where it's like, you know what? My life is in your hands. Um, the fire department, uh, they called it a hot weld. Um, and I don't know how many of you ever remember, but there was a train accident that took place in the Cajon Pass uh, down in San Bernardino. And the train took out what they call the Calneo Pipeline. It's a pipe, pipeline that from the ground to right here, that's how big the pipeline is. And that feeds Nevada, uh, Utah, what else, Montana, Arizona, New Mexico, and it all comes from Colton, California. That pipe, they, they'll, they'll put diesel through the line, and then they'll clean that line, and then they'll take and they'll send unleaded gas through that line. Anyways, the train took out that line going through the Cohen Pass. They did a hot weld, which means there's actually fuel running through that thing at 110 PSI. Grab hold of that with your mind, okay? That's a whole lot of fuel that basically, if it ruptures, and it did, it sent fuel from here, and I, the, I can see a shed out there. It actually would go further than that. It shot up. It went over a complete neighborhood without burning. It went up and over it. Do you know how, do you know how much, as a rookie, it took for me to walk out there and trust my books that it actually was the safest thing to do to do a hot weld on a pipe while fuel is running through it? Because I'm telling you right now, everything that's up here tells you this is fuel and it's going to explode, right? Funny, I trusted in that. And there's things that God has taught me over the years in his word that it's taken me longer to grab hold of trust. Are you prepared? Are you prepared to walk with him? Think about his disciples and how long that process took. I'll, I'll, I'll follow you. I'm going to drop my nets right now and I'm going to follow you. Okay. And they did, right? And how many times in the New Testament in that first part where you're reading and you're sitting there and you're going, man, You're not supposed to say stupid. But I'd sit there and I'd look in seminary and I'd look at some of the questions that were being asked by, these are his followers. And you just sit there and shake your head and then you realize later in their, you know, in their growth process and they start talking about God not as if he was the son of God, but that he is the son of God. It starts making a transformation. You start seeing them make that transformation in their heart, and they start trusting in him wholly. And that way, all those things that were taking place in, in, their, in their lives, they started looking at all the days where we walked with him, we talked with him, we ate with him. Could you imagine? I, I do this all the time. Could you imagine walking and talking and being 24-7 with Jesus Christ for three years? Woo! Yes? Man, I'm excited about that. Paul had that spiritually. The other disciples had that physically. When you see somebody and they do it in front of you and they show you how to do something, do you take note of it? it I, I may not be like you. But for me, uh, schooling is tough. I, I would re have to read something. I watch Ella, and I watch her. Uh, we homeschool all three of our girls. Um, and I watch her, and Mom will take and she'll read a story, and then Ella will have to answer the questions about that story. That girl has retention like crazy. Me? I'd have to read through that story three times. And I'm not kidding. It is just who I am. 
But here's the thing, once it's here, it's like a bear trap. It's there. When you study about God, when you read about him and you, and you let that word come up inside and you start tearing it apart and you look up every single word that's in there and you're looking to the original text and you're going, man, that's some good stuff. I'm telling you right now, the word of God, whew, <laughs> you start studying it, you start finding out what God really wants. He starts, he uses he uses words that it's like six, seven words to explain the one word that we have in the King James. Why? Because he wanted you to know exactly how to follow him. All their ways acknowledge him. This passage here, there's preparation and trusting God. Trust with all thine heart. All thy ways acknowledge him. In all thy ways know God. In all thy ways learn God. In all thy ways discriminate and distinguish God. Know from where the powers come and give credit to it. You ever hear of somebody and it's like something happens spiritually and they're like, you know, oh, what a great job. Thank you. You hear people say, oh, thank you. How about giving credit to who it is that actually gave you the power to do that? I guarantee you, David didn't have the power to do to Goliath what it is he had to do. If you think he did, start using, you know, go out there and practice. Try and hit something, especially right between the forehead here. Pop it in there, right? I'm telling you right now, God is the one who led his hand. And if you're not mature enough to understand, God led you. Every single good thing that's happened in your life, it's come from God. Give him credit. When we trust God, then what happens with our decision-making process? To know by experience, it's preparation. It's interesting. I have, I have two children that are 31 and 28 years old. Now I have a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a 12-year-old. There's things that I guarantee you used to ruffle my feathers back when I first became a dad that now just let slide off. Why? Seen that and done that, right? There's things that I want them to understand, my girls. There's things that I want them to understand. I want them to have. A beautiful relationship with God. I'm not talking about to know him. I'm talking about to know him. To trust him. To literally put every single ounce of faith into him. How do you teach that? Moms, how do you teach that? Because I see it being taught to my girls. Yeah. Day in, day out, living God. Day in, day out, them looking and saying, hey, this is how mom handled this. This is my example, right? Did Jesus give that to his disciples? Yes, he did. They still took and asked questions that you just sit there and scratch your head and go, man, you missed the mark. Right? He'd separate them off of the multitude, he'd go up into the mountains, and he'd teach them the more intimate lesson, and they would still ask questions as if they didn't know Jesus. By the way, this sermon is not to dog on all the apostles. <laughs> this sermon is for you to know there's a transition that takes place from when we raise our hand and say, yes, I'll follow you, when you actually are following. Yes? Because we, we look at things and sometimes we, you look up and you go, am I really leading? Because I don't see anybody following. You're not a leader unless people follow you. Right? Why did he ask his disciples in the garden? Stay here. Wait and pray. Why did he ask that? 
If you're a leader, you know the answer. I'm serious. If you're a leader, you know the answer. There's sometimes there's steps that have to be taken that nobody else can go on that pathway with you. Jesus was entering into that pathway. We need to use wisdom when we're preparing ourselves. Wisdom that's from God, not from man. Psalms 119th chapter. Psalms 119 verse 11. says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. And I have read that verse since I was a little boy for so long. And it was probably about 15, 20 years ago that I started understanding what that passage there means. It's not so much that I've read it and I've memorized it, that I believe it. Do you believe in God's word? I'm not talking about that it could make mistakes because God's word can't. I'm talking about do you believe in God's word that it's God's word? I can tell you right now the things that I've gone through in my life as far as the struggles I would not do without the word of God. There is so much comfort from the God's word there's so much conviction in God's word when we're not doing what it is that's pleasing unto him. But there's so much wisdom, and you don't have that wisdom unless you read God's word. And by the way, you're not going to read God's word unless you trust him. You're not going to pray unto him unless you trust him. How do we get to the point where we trust him? You say, well, I keep on having this one thing that keeps on coming up in my life where I'm constantly being barraged by this one thing. You haven't got the lesson yet. As a dad, as a grandpa, as a great-grandfather, when you look out, I'm telling you right now, you get it. When somebody keeps on getting a lesson and they're not getting it, and all of a sudden it comes back around and they have to go through it again, they haven't got it. I remember trying to teach this in the fire department with this kid. He's just a seasonal worker, but he came in and I'm like, here's the check. Here's, here's the fire retardant. I need you to move it from here, and I need it out there where the plane is. Okay. And I showed him, here's the dolly. Matter of fact, it's not a dolly like you and I use. It's one of those big ones that carry hay bales. And you put the stuff on it, and what's this guy doing? He's carrying one of those 120-pound bags every single time out to the flight deck, doing it the hard way. He's about three months goes by and he, and he blows up at me in my office and I'm like, he's upset. Why am I the one who always has to take the fire retardant out to where the helicopter is? Anybody? Because I showed you the proper way to do this and you continue to do it the wrong way. How in the world do you think I'm going to trust you doing something else if you're not going to do the simplest thing the right way. You say, well, that's sort of simple. Really? We've got some Christian examples, some spiritual examples that a lot of us sitting in pews haven't figured out. You know how I know that? Look around you. Look around you right now. We're satisfied. We're complacent. We don't like to change. Was Jesus someone who would change continuously? The word didn't change, and Jesus didn't change, but what did? Because I've studied enough of the Bible to know this. How he got the word of God out there? Are you kidding me? The disciples would sit there, and they'd look at him, and Lord, Lord we're, we're not supposed to be in this neighborhood. We're not even supposed to talk to that guy. He's not a Jew. Right? Continuously, the way, the fluidity of how God got his word out there changed all the time. And we need to be willing to change that way. 
The word of God doesn't change. God doesn't change. Right? But how I get God's word out there, I'm telling you right now, seriously, we want to go back to the days of the fire department where I was sitting on one side and the other guy was sitting on the other side and I'm pushing down, he's pushing up. We're doing one of these things to get the hose to have pressure in it to fight the fire. We think that's silly, right? Right? Until you live out here in the country. Because I'm telling you right now, I know my where my house is. I know that if that thing catches fire, it's going to be 20 minutes before a fire department shows up. So I'm fighting it old school. How about you? Look around you right now. Are we fighting it old school? Or are we coming up with innovative ways of reaching out to Hanford, Armona? Do you know your community? I was talking to you, Brother Kurtz, about you know the demographics and and everything. Do we know what the what the people are that are here in this community? Are you reaching out to the community? There's a heartfelt desire to share compassion when we're praying about our community. I don't know if you know this. I know you have a, a pastor. He introduced himself to me, Brother Fritz. When you're a pastor, you pray for your congregation in a totally different way than you pray for them when you're a church member. You have a love and a compassion that's on your heart for your church members that you want to see the best spiritually for them. What's wrong with man's wisdom? What's wrong with man's wisdom versus God's wisdom? Anybody? By the way, I have to self-check myself all the time with this. Because I look at things and I go, yeah, we just can't do that. Right? I see, I see things and I see insurmountable odds. I put myself in David's brother's life. Not David. David came that day with what? He was on a mission, by the way. Anybody know what his mission was? Deliver food to his brothers. His brothers were warriors. Proven warriors. David came there to deliver food. But I can tell you right now, he trusted in God more than any of his brothers or his dad. When we trust in our own wisdom, there's a problem with that. Because our level of what we can do has a limit, right? God doesn't have a limit. Yes? God looks at a problem and he goes, I already have the solution. You don't even know it. I have the solution to your problem. And you're sitting there going, I, I, God, I just need you to figure it out. I need you to help me figure this out. No. Just do what I'm asking you to do. Take the first step of faith. If you, sh if you take the first step of faith, I'm going to show you the next two steps. You take that first step of faith and then you realize, oh, wow, he's got, he's got plans for me, right? When I was a building inspector, I guarantee you I had no intentions of ever going into the fire department. My boss made a comment to me that they were going to be doing drug seizures and they needed, a, they needed a building inspector. He goes, I'm going to put you on loan over to the hazmat division. I don't want to go to the hazmat division. I'm in building and safety. I don't want to go to the hazmat division. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, you're going. You know who that was? You say, my boss. No, that was God. Because God had a better plan than I had. Right? See, all I saw was limitation. All I saw was chemistry in high school and struggling to get through it. Why? 
because I saw what it is that's on a book and I couldn't put it in real life. I saw limitations. I saw whatever it is that could go wrong. That's what I looked at. And I don't want to be a failure. Anybody want to be a failure in here? I don't want to be a failure. And God's sitting there going, I'm preparing you for something else, Greg. David, I'm preparing you for something else. Yes? You say, well, how do you do that? Delivering food? No. He killed a bear and he killed a lion in the same day. That's preparation, guys. I don't care who you are. God prepared him for the day that he stood up against Goliath. What are you preparing in your life? Luke, the 14th chapter. Luke, the 14th chapter, verse 33. It says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. And you say you're right. But how many of you have forsaken everything? That's love less, by the way. That's not to hate your wife. That's not to hate your kids. It's not to hate your mom and dad. It's to love less. God is first. How many of you have taken and forsaken all to love God? How many of you make your decisions daily as far as when you're thinking about what do I do to prepare myself daily to have a spiritual walk today. I guarantee you, in your physical life, you make these preparations. I see Marie all the time. She updates her calendar. She updates this little book. She gets the kids' stuff ready. She takes out all the different literature that's in the, in the office, and she gets it all ready for the, the day. She does it the day before she's actually going to do it. She gets everything ready and sits it right there. It's all ready. She prepares. Yes? How many of you spiritually get yourself ready for the next day? Before you go to bed, do you pray? I love taking, when I go to bed, praying to God, and I thank him, thank him. The next day I ask, but the night before, I thank him. How are you in your preparation for getting yourself ready for God. Do you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you hear prayer requests with our youth and think, you know what, I know what I can be praying for. And you go to God and you pray for your youth, and you pray for their success, whether it's in school, whether it's spiritually, they tell you that I'm having a problem, you know, I'm getting bullied at school, pray for that. Go to that person, encourage them. They're a child of God. We're supposed to be watching out for them. Yes? What are you preparing your life for? Your employer? Your wife? Your church member? As a church member? If you're a young person, you prepare, prepare yourself for, as, as for your spouse. You keep yourself whole, right? You give your husband a gift. It's not talked about nowadays very often. <laughs> you prepare yourself for him. Your employer. I remember when I was 14 years old, started taking specialized classes. And all of a sudden, I got prepared for being something specific. And I started working in the student store, and I became the manager of the student store in the high school. And the next thing I know, I was getting a job at Mervyn's. And the next thing I know, that prepared me for something else and prepared me for something else. By the way, when I got the job at the student store, did I have an idea where it is that God was taking me with a career? No clue. No clue. I guarantee you if you would have said, you're going to be heavy in chemistry and biology. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> right? A 
lot of us wouldn't pick the pathway or prepare for the pathway that God has planned for us. But man, when we surrender our life every day to him, all of a sudden we start finding out what it is that God has prepared for our life. Anybody? Yes? If you're a grandparent, I tell you right now, God prepared you for something that was very special. And that's to have a grandkid. I have one grandkid. And it's totally different from being a, a dad. I'm a granddad. What are you prepared for? Seminary, it was kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Right? And there's so many churches that are so wound up, if you would, with all these things that, that these things have to be here for us to be considering having a church service. Really? Were they in Jesus' day? Did they have to have this? To have it? Because I'm telling you right now, I don't want to be the disciple who had to look around that. Right? I'm not making fun of the piano, by the way. But we, in our mind, we think that these things have to be here for us to worship God. What has to be here for us to worship God? And I guarantee you, it has nothing to do with anything physical up here on stage. It has to do with the preparation that's in your heart. When we prepare our heart before we come to services and we get ourselves right with God, we come in here and it's not, oh, I'm looking to be entertained. I'm looking to worship God. You look and study what worship is, and that is what? I'm prostrate, hands out, palms up, giving myself wholly to what it is that God has for me. That is true worship. Why? Because I recognize who I am. And I'm telling you right now, I don't deserve what it is that he gives me. But I wholly have my hands out because they're empty, because I haven't, I haven't, held it back. I've given every single thing I have to God. I've prepared my heart for what it is that God has through the lesson that's in the Sunday school class, to the preaching that takes place, to the worship music that takes place. My heart is prepared to worship God. What if I don't do that throughout the week and it's just Monday and Wednesday? What if I don't do that during the week? you tell me that we just worship God on those two days? Wow. I'll tell you what, for the people that are sitting here that you read your Bible every day, you pray every day, you find those moments in your life where you're struggling, you stop and you pray to God. And you go, God, man, I need your help here. I... I need God's help with raising a family. I need him to be that person that takes and intertwines us together. The three rope, the three braids, being stronger. I need that. How are you in preparation today? What did you do special today? What did you do special today to prepare yourself? Forgetting this. Did you prepare your heart? And praise God if you did. Because those are the people that you come into services and they're like, hey, how are you doing? Woo! Glad you're here. Yes? Versus most missionary Baptists that they sit down, they got the grumpy look on their face. You hear, you're in my seat. Yes? Hey, I've heard it. I've literally told, you know, a person told me, I'm not joking. You're literally in my seat. I checked your name's not Jesus. That means you didn't pay the price for this. That means that ain't your seat. Right? I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but the reality is sometimes we think this is 
ours. It's not. It's his. He paid the price. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people that Jesus loves that are outside those doors that need to be hearing God's word. And I don't care if it's here or Porterville or Rutherlands or whatever city it is. Jesus gave his blood, his life. He prepared. He set forth a plan. He prepared and he carried it out. 100%. What about you? What about you and I? Have you spent a day getting yourself ready for doing what it is that you know spiritually God's leading you to do? Because I'm telling you right now, if you've ever done this, you know I'm telling the truth. Your heart's not prepared enough for what it is that God's got prepared for you. Because he's going to use you. You put it out there and you say, you know what, God, I need you to use me. He's going to. Yes? You pray for an opportunity to be able to take in witness to somebody that day, he's going to give you an opportunity that day to share him. Have you prepared your heart? Do you know enough about God's word to where you can actually walk somebody through a plan of salvation? Oh, I'm not that person. I'm not that person in the church. I'm the person who waters. Believe me, I've, I've pastored people that they think this is their specific job. I, I'm the person who weeds. I pull the weeds around that person. I'm the person who waters, but I'm not the person who shares God with other people. That's not in there, just so you know. If you have a love like Jesus for the lost, then you will prepare your heart to share God's word to them. And I saw more cows coming in here than I did people. Those people that tend to the cows, they need Jesus. And they need somebody sharing with them. By the way, I don't care if you have to learn Spanish <laughs> to be able to share that word of God with them. When I go down to, I, I have it, but when I go down to Peru, I'm telling you right now, it's like a crash course again of Spanish and Portuguese. What have you prepared your heart for today? Because I'm telling you right now, if you came in here today and your thought process is, man, I hope it's a good service. Man, I hope it's good music. Man, I hope it's a good sermon. You're wanting to be entertained. And that ain't no place in worship. I'm serious. That's no place in worship. Now, if I prepared my heart where I'm looking to get the best out of services because I'm ready to hear. It's funny, when you study out how it is that I'm supposed to come into services, my ears are, in the original text, it was to have your ears stretched forth and your mouth shut. Why? It's more important to listen than it is to sit there and talk. What are you listening to today? Oh, please don't be those people that come to services. I've already watched three ser sermons today. And they tell me how Benny Goodman, and they tell me how, you know, the guy in Texas, how, how the, oh man, they lifted the roof. I hope he preached that day. <laughs> how have you prepared your heart for today? Are you ready for this week? Isn't it, isn't it awesome when God shares with you a blessing of allowing you to be in his work and you like you pray about it on Sunday and you're going, man, if you could create one of these opportunities this week for me to take and be able to share God's word with somebody and all of a sudden God does and you realize, wow, this could be every day, right? What about every moment of every day being prepared to share God's word? As our song leader and our pianist come, where is your heart this morning? I hope that you've taken time to prepare your heart. I hope that you've taken time that literally in your mind, you've taken God's word and you've done what? 
meditated on it? How many of you meditate on God's word? Anybody? Yeah, I got one, two. I got two people. Hey, I love getting in our jacuzzi, and I will read it, read a passage of scripture, and then just put my head back, and I will just think about that and think about that, and, and then I'll grab it back and I'll look what the original text, what what that word means specifically in Greek and Hebrew, and I'll meditate on it more. And those are good times with God. Do our kids even know how to do that today? Do they know how to? Are they prepared for what's coming up? Are they prepared for teaching classes? Are they prepared for leading in worship? By the way, if you don't mentor someone, bring them alongside, then they're not prepared. Yes? First church I pastored, the man who was teaching the adult class, he came to me and he goes, he goes, I want to be straight up with you. I was saved, and he goes, and six months later, they asked me to teach the adult class. Wow. Yes? Anybody? Woo! I'm telling you right now, are you kidding me? And he'd been the teacher since. He goes, every week, I feel like a failure. Every week, I feel like I don't know what I'm talking about. Wow. What a disservice to somebody. I remember asking the church in Redlands, you know, I wanted to teach the high school and the college age class. I'd been two years out of high school, and they were like, you're not old enough. And I remember Brother Breckley standing up in the back of the church, who was teaching the class at the time, and he said, I will mentor him. For the next two years, he goes, I will be in every single class. I will be there every single time. I will help him with his studies. I will show him how to do this. And that man had me come over to his house once a week, and we would go through the lesson, and he showed me how to be a teacher. That's mentoring, guys. That's investing wholly in somebody. Do we have that today? Are you prepared? You say, prepared for what? Prepared for anything. Who knows about life? I mean, just sitting here and sitting on this side and listening to people, surgery was going on, and Somebody had had something terrible. I was just like, we're not prepared for what's coming, right? Well, let's prepare ourselves spiritually and know what it is that God has in store for us. And I'm telling you right now, when you're one of his servants, you feel really good having him in charge, him being your leader. Let's stand.